Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Class Action is a production of iHeartRadio and Sound Argument. Is this a courthouse? Um, so I've been in some of these before. So, hi. So, 11 is one of my courts. So, like, I'm a misdemeanor, like, intern, like, for all of the, clerk for all of the courts. It's scary. Like, you're walking into this big machine. Like, this is, like, the machine. Like, this is our justice machine. And it's really intimidating. You don't know anyone, you know. You don't know what your rule's gonna be. You don't know how they're gonna use you. You, yeah, you just don't know anything or anyone or like, you know, are the ADAs intimidating? Are they nice? Will they like you? Will they give you work? You know, you don't know anything. Um, So the first day was like all about figuring out all of that stuff as well as can I leave for lunch? (laughs) Where's the bathroom? Like, yeah, it was really, really intimidating. Um, So I have all of the misdemeanor courts. And so like it's, like 14 of them, 15 of them. So, you know, um, if one of the ADAs is like, oh, we're going to trial on this day, do you want to come? I'll go to trial on 14 for all day and like pick a jury with them or whatever. So it's pretty cool. Less than a month after their run to the national championship stalled at the one-yard line, ex-teammates Andy Vizcarra and Jasmine Olguin are about to face off in an actual criminal trial at the Bear County Courthouse in San Antonio. It's a misdemeanor case. Andy will be second chairing for the DA's office, and Jasmine will be in a similar role with her defense firm. And to up the stakes, the defense team's lead attorney is none other than Jason Goss, their former coach from the St. Mary's trial team. 
I, I'm just really proud, you know. It's kind of like going against a child or something where, you know, you're proud of them, but you're also trying to beat them. Um, and I do want to beat them because I think it's justice for my client. It's, I mean, it's so cool. I mean, I just, I, mean, I want to be just like him. It's, it's crazy. It's so cool to see him. On the other hand, I didn't know we were going to be going directly head to head, but, you know, somewhat. I was a little, I mean, I was nervous. I couldn't eat breakfast. I, I had to drink tea. I wasn't... <laughs> I didn't crack a Celsius until <laughs> until later on in the day when I'd calmed down. And it's like, you stand and deliver. You don't care who's on the other side. I'm feeling excited for sure. Interested to see how the rest of this case plays out. But as of now, I feel like my heart is like kind of like in a little like a little fire in my heart because of this, because everything we've been hearing and seeing, it's so <laughs> like upsetting that we're here trying this case. And in an even more bizarre twist, Jason's wife and fellow trial team coach, Maritza Stewart, she's going to supervise Andy during the trial. It was a pretty amazing thing to do because it's it's funny. It's what we've been, you know, we hope to see. And we've always said that that's one of our things that we're proud of, that any of our students can go, you know, if they've worked with us and, you know, committed to the program. They learn the ideals that AJ and, you know, Coach Goss and I, you know, try and teach. So it's student versus student, student versus teacher, husband versus wife. What more could you possibly want? This is episode 11 of Class Action. First thing I would inquire is, why do you want to become a lawyer? Yes, why do you want to be a lawyer? The idea that I, at 23 years old, can walk into a courtroom next year and run it front to back better than some of these people that have been practicing for 10, 15, 20 years. I'm like, that's insane to me. I like the puzzle. You are given a set of facts and you have to make those facts work with what your client wants. And it doesn't matter if your client is the state. It doesn't matter if your client is a, a an actual living human being in front of you. They have something that they want. And your job as an attorney is to make sure whatever given situation can work out for them. You do become a different version of yourself because no one would want that in their everyday. I wouldn't have any friends. I've always kind of likened it to my mom was an absolute maniac about our table manners when we were growing up. But she wanted to make sure that when I went to that nice dinner, I exuded confidence because I knew that I could, I could hang with the, you know, with the big kids kind of thing. It's the same way. I know I know what I'm doing just as much as I know I'm picking up the right fork <laughs> for the right meal kind of thing. That's future lawyers Haley Nichols, Dylan Ramstad Scoyles, and Brooke Baumgardner. I right, want the record in 622758. A summary of this case. In 2019, the San Antonio police were called to a scene at 425 a.m. on the west side of town, not far from the St. Mary's campus. The complaint was coded as a disturbance, neighbor, gun involved. For privacy, 
we're going to remove the names of the persons in this case. Is he the one y'all were calling on? Yes, all right. Does he have it on him? No, he's got a big soul. I mean, wait, wait. wait. He just, no. I was with my dog. When Officer Garcia arrived on the scene, she found a crowd gathered around a victim who was lying on the ground, half in some bushes and half on the sidewalk. Okay. Did you just have a seizure? Is that what's, what's going on? Or? No. The victim, we'll call him Boris, was staring into space and had bumps and contusions on his face. Okay. Yeah, you may want to spit your tooth out. That way you don't choke on it. And you didn't see any of this, right, sir? I'm sorry. You didn't see any of this? All right, sir. This is Boris's husband. He's also an eyewitness. Well, Sort of. She's a marker. But you didn't see anything? I saw them beating him up. Okay, you yeah. saw them beating Who's Who's them? So I could uh, be... The three guys. All three of them? Well, I saw all three of them hovering, hovering. Them. I mean, because it was all happened so fast that I was, like, freaking out over the whole situation. Okay. All right, so have a good night. Boris came around and told Officer Garcia that his neighbor, a man we'll call Carlos was sitting in his car with a bunch of guys playing his stereo at high volume at 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, sitting in the car. They turn it up, the music, up loud completely to make sure that piss off all the whole neighborhood. They're doing it every day. Boris then told Officer Garcia that he approached the car and knocked on the window. And the next thing you know... He just punched. He didn't punch me. I was laying low. And he was continuously punching me. Which, trying which to one? Do you, know, do you know which one it was? The heavy, the heavy, the heavy one? You want to come talk to me real quick? Black shirt. The third. This is Carlos's nephew, who was in the front passenger seat. So, what's going on? What happened? All of a sudden, he asked us, it's like, hey... I didn't think the music was too loud at all, to be honest. We had it fairly low, because we were listening to a song. So, uh, at one point, he comes up to the truck. Comes up and knocks. Okay. And then that's when he pulled the gun. Mm-hmm. He's like, you need to turn it what down. What color was the gun? It was a, it was a chromish kind of gun, I guess. He pulled it out from the side. Mm-hmm. He's like, you need to turn the music down now. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, but you, you didn't really explain how he ended up on the ground and everything. So, how did that, when did that happen? Well, and how? We asked him nicely to leave him. Pushed him, you know, not too hard though. Mm-hmm. Just enough to get him off our property. Okay. Started pushing back. Um, did by any chance did did you hit him or anything like nope. that? All right. What about Uncle? Right. Yeah. What about your Uncle? Did yeah. Uncle I hit him or anything like that? I don't touch him. All right. For self defense. But but I'm not gonna deny that. I did assault that man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, no, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I mean, I did that. I didn't assault that man, though. I, I don't want any trouble, man. Yeah, unfortunately, tonight, buddy, it's going to have to go down like this. But uh, what matters most is what happens after this. And hopefully you're never in handcuffs ever again, but all right? I, I didn't assault him, though. You know, and how do I prove I did? Sir, he's spitting teeth out of his mouth. But there's no... Look at my hands. If he was spitting teeth out of his mouth, my hands would be cut. There's no cuts on my hands. I'm just saying. Well, I don't have no problem. Yeah, we don't either, buddy. We're just trying to do our job, and I, I know you're just trying to have a good time on a Friday. I understand. 
All right, just sit, sit tight, or I'll turn on the AC for you. Ah. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to close the door on you. <clears throat> Carlos was ultimately charged with assault with bodily injury. It should be pointed out here that normally a misdemeanor case like this would almost never make it to trial. But this is America. And if you've been listening to this podcast all along, you know we are all about having the constitutional right to a fair hearing. Facing potential jail time, Carlos bonded out and decided to seek defense counsel. And here he turned to Jason Goss and Jasmine Olguin to defend him at trial, but this time against her former teammate. I know her responses. I know the way she thinks. You know, she knows the way I think. Like, we both have the same little senses. Like, if we hear certain questions or responses, like, we're trained by the same coach. Like, both of our senses start, like, tingling. And we're like, okay, this this is this, this is this. And, like, with objections, like, I, I know what she's going to object to and, like, what she's feeling and stuff like that. So maybe, like, not an advantage, but, like, I know her. And I think our coach knows her, too. The dynamic between counsel is interesting. Now, for some perspective on this whole becoming a lawyer thing, here's Preet Bharara. Counterintuitively, my experience has been that prosecutors and defense lawyers are much more cordial and friendly. Some become quite good friends. And part of the reason is there's a lot at stake in a criminal case, and the most professional defense lawyers and prosecutors, they're not taking it as personally. You know, it's it's not personal, it's business, to quote from The Godfather. Sometimes someone's a jerk. Like there, there are jerks in every profession and there are jerks uh, at trial sometimes. And then you have to be careful not to let your temper get the better of you. And you treat everyone with respect in the courtroom and certainly in front of the jury because they don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. Another peculiar question arises for defense lawyers in criminal cases who may have a long relationship with the prosecutors. They may have been colleagues, you know, People become prosecutors, defense lawyers, they go back and forth. That's the case with Jason Goss. He was an assistant DA in this very courthouse for 10 years before switching sides. So he's on very familiar ground here. Back to the case at hand. A six-member jury is impaneled, and Judge Carlo Rodriguez-Key is enrobed. I think if everyone's first trial could be this difficult and uh, this convoluted, um, and they could still get through it. Everything else after that's going to seem fairly easy. Uh, so it's a great introduction into how tough things can be. And here we are at trial, which begs the question. Well, let's start with why do we need trials? Ashley Email is a Texas lawyer who runs the national trial competition. And apparently she's also an amateur legal historian. So for those of you who don't know, trials before they were in a courtroom were by duel. And if you died, you were the one lying. That's how that was decided. Um, So then we got to trials and maybe that was a little more fair. Maybe not. Maybe it was just one person shouting, this is what happened. And a judge said, I believe you. And so then we got rules of evidence. And this is how we sort of make sure that our trial system is working the way that it should. Obviously, it is not perfect. I don't think any person would ever try to tell you that the, our justice system is perfect. But I think it's the best system we've got for trying to make sure that anybody accused of something has a fair shot for defending themselves with a lawyer who knows how this system works. 
I'm not shaking my boots. Can I win? Probably not. Probably not on my first one. If I'll be honest, I'd be, I'd be very shocked, which just sucks because I do believe this was an assault. I can't do it alone. And it'd be, it'd be thinking very high of myself to think that I would be able to do this on my first try. When you're working a real trial, it becomes your life for many months, sometimes for a year or more. From the moment you charge a case or even from the moment you start investigating a case, there's always a little voice in the back of your head thinking, how's this going to play at trial? What am I going to do at trial? And then when you're actually on trial, those two weeks or six weeks or four months or whatever it may be, you, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I used to lose 15, 20 pounds when I was on trial. I don't have that much to lose. Um, it was incredibly stressful and difficult. And then at the end, um, cathartic. This is Ellie Honig, former prosecutor in New York's Southern District and a legal analyst at CNN. He knows that when a prosecutor like Andy is handed a brief, she'll have a lot of questions. So two things about, about that. First of all, prosecutors rely on what we call an order of proof. And it's basically like not quite a script, but it's just a listing of all your pieces of evidence from exhibit one through exhibit 1400. Um, and you learn to use that as an outline and a guide to your case. But I want to say this about evidence. There's a misnomer out there, a misperception that more is better. Oh, a mountain of evidence, that phrase, right? Oh, look, they have huge amounts of evidence. That can really backfire. It's not about quantity of evidence. It's about quality of evidence. I learned that the hard way. There was really two different approaches to evidence. We used to say at the Southern District, there was the kitchen sinkers, the people who wanted to throw in everything they had. And then there was the thin to winners, which I became. The first mob trial I ever did, I was the junior person of three on the case. And the guys who ran it were kitchen sinkers. And we did this trial that took two months and we had hundreds and hundreds of exhibits. We played the jury, I think 90 or 95 different recordings that we had a cooperator who had made. And that case ended up going bad. We had a couple of the defendants were acquitted. Uh, we had a couple of defendants where the jury hung. So we got to retry those two defendants where the jury hung a, a year or so later. By this point, I was leading it we said, okay, we're cutting out all the fluff. We're going with our strongest evidence. We went from 90 or 95 recordings down to 12. We got that instead of a two-month trial, we did it in a week and a half or two weeks. Jury came back convicted like that. For this trial, it seems like Jason Goss is more of a kitchen sinker. He's dug up all sorts of apparent shenanigans on the part of the DA's office. First off, the 911 tape was destroyed by the DA's office. Unclear why. And second... The victim, Boris, was previously convicted on a domestic violence charge involving his husband. That conviction was later overturned and the records were destroyed by the DA's office, which, Jason argues, is tantamount to a Brady violation, essentially accusing the state of withholding exculpatory evidence from the defense. And for us, we believe that this guy has been railroaded all the way through and we want the jury to see that at the end. Since I wasn't at the trial, I do hesitate to characterize this as a smokescreen, but I can imagine this is going directly over the heads of the young prosecution team. One thing I was always looking forward to on defense is like, this is the kind of stuff I try to get into when I was a prosecutor. The judge would always protect the defendant and say, no, 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 he can't get into that. But in this case, you know, I feel like I'm not, you know, we're not getting, you know, the chicks. You don't give a damn what the prosecution thinks about you or even the judge. 
Tony Sarah has seen it all before. He's 87, a West Coast trial legend and stalwart defense attorney. I just finished a murder trial in San Jose. It took about three months, came back satisfactory. I got a trial set for November 7th. It's another attempted murder on a police officer's life. So I do controversial cases and I um, defend people who ordinarily are overlooked or marginalized in the legal system. I've been fighting, you know, racism. I've been fighting uh, what we'd call overzealous prosecutions all of my career. So I tell the young lawyers, it's a fabulous calling, but you have to regard it as a calling. It's a fabulous mission that you're going to embark on, but you have to regard it as a mission. If you regard it as a job, and that you're going to serve the interests mostly of corporations, then you're feeding into the status quo. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This time, uh, I'd like you to say an opportunity to make opening statements. He knocked his teeth out. He knocked him unconscious. Nobody here is disputing that. He knocked him unconscious. Like opening statements are among the most important parts of a trial. It's your first impression on the jury. So you need to begin with credibility. 
I was really fortunate when I was starting out in the office of the federal public defender in L.A. This is noted defense attorney Laura Bazelon, who runs a law clinic for racial justice in San Francisco. I had a supervisor. He said, those 11 seconds, you'll never get them back. And he also said that a lot of lawyers really don't do opening statement justice, that they stand up and say an opening statement, these are the elements of the offense, these are how I'm going to prove the elements of the offense, and the jury goes to sleep. But if you stand up and you have one sentence that crystallizes your case, and you're saying it in this passionate way, then all of a sudden, you have 12 pairs of eyes that are focused on you. There is a dispute. And so I want to talk to you about what actually happened and what the evidence is going to prove happened and how the world on September 7th, 2019 turned upside down. Because the one thing that she didn't tell me... You've got to take over the court. You've got to dominate. Your personality has to be the strongest. Your contact with the, the jury has to be, you know, formidable. Andy gets a shot at doing the first direct examination of a witness. Boris's husband. But true to life, the guy has a hearing problem, and the microphones in the courtroom aren't working. And well, it's a modern-day trial by fire. Yeah, Sharon, before I start, I just want to let the court know Mr. Hernandez have a, a bit of a hearing problem. So just for everyone, we need to speak up a little bit there. You can't hear me. Oh, <laughs> sorry. All right, try this out. Can you hear me a little better from here? Just watch your Oh, sorry. It's a real jury. Um, I think it's similar in a lot of ways, but it's also, I mean, it's different in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I have to remember little things that I wouldn't have to remember in mock, right? Like, I, I'm making eye contact with all of them. Are you following me? How do I look to them? One of the hardest things to do, particularly early on, is keep the poker face. There's nothing more important than the poker face. Jurors are looking at the lawyers at their tables. They're going back and forth often from the person on the witness stand to the lawyer at the table to see if they're reacting poorly to something. Yeah, we don't have an objection. Both her and I question him close to him, and we can just question the jury can see. I kind of like that idea if you wanted to try it. So a juror might hear a witness say something like, oh, that sounds like it's harmful to the prosecution. They'll look and see. Did the prosecution flinch? Are they passing notes? Because they might not know because they haven't connected all the things together. You know the case better than any juror will ever know the case. Good afternoon. Would you introduce yourself again to the members of the jury? I'm sorry? Would you introduce yourself again to the members of the jury? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Give it a shot. We'll be closer. A little bit closer. Okay. And in your best theatrical Shakespearean voice, please. <laughs> Would you please introduce yourself again to the members of the jury? I tend to have a lot of emotional reactions that, that show themselves in my face. And so I've had to train myself to, to, not, to not do that. And I think the other thing I've had to do is look less stern because unfortunately that kind of expression, particularly in women, is off-putting. It's funny, I've always been told by my supervisors that you need to smile more, Lara. And I'm like, there's nothing to smile about here. <laughs> this is a very high stakes, very grim situation. The walls are weeping. <laughs> you can hear me now. Perfect. All right. Would you introduce yourself one more time to the members of the Absolutely not. 
It's not a smiley face cheerleading time. At the same time, I do think there are occasional moments of levity and that it's good to look like someone who people can in some way relate to. Uh, did you see him act, you know, aggressively? Did he punch the car? Was no. he doing anything aggressive no. that you could see from your porch? No. Okay. And then you said that you saw him leave, right? right. He left. And do you know where he went? He just. Well, he never got uh, uh, past the view. Okay. Did it look like, from where you were standing, did it look like he was trying to trespass onto the property? No. Did it look like he was trying to break into their home? They were parked on the street, curbside. In front of their house. Okay. So he knocks on the window. That's what you see. After that, what do you see? Uh, after that... I've done many trials in front of fake juries, but... So it's just kind of, it's a weird duality that exists right now. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm like not trying to make excuses for myself and I don't want to ever do that to her because she's right, I do know better. But at the same time, I'm, I'm still learning and I'll continue to be, keep learning. So I just, taking everything with stride. At any point, did you see your husband pull a gun? Never, never. Did you see a gun at all that night? No, um, I'm extremely anti anti-gun have always been called anti-gun, the way we were brought up, you know. Um, I have never allowed guns in my house at work. Okay, but you know, you're aware that your husband does own a gun. He has one gun that I'm aware of. I've never seen it. Okay, so let me get it right. Turn the music down, started walking with the dog, they rolled up the window, they started blasting the music. He finished the walk with the dog. He brought the dog inside, went back over to them, and told them, turn the music down. A good defense attorney like Jason Goss, he's going to pick apart a fuzzy-headed witness like this while on cross. That's what you testified. I know what I said. Based on what you saw, there's no reason to call the cops on you. Based upon what you could see. And you don't want him to go to jail, your husband. There would be nothing for him to go to jail for at that point. He, he's obviously, these, this group of people is upset. You would agree with that, right? Yeah, I, I don't understand the question. Obviously, they're upset. You said that they're yelling and they're screaming. We call it comments. I've uh, been uh, confrontational all my life. I have a dear friend that was. Uh, in college, All-American football for uh, Oklahoma. And when I've done cases with him, it's, it's as if, if he doesn't get the answer he wants, he's going to walk up and slug you with his fist. And he would just stand up there like he had a stick in his hand, you know, or some kind of a baseball bat. And he would be slugging this witness if he didn't tell the truth. And I was going, oh, boy, that guy's good. I want to be like that. When the officer first asked you, she said, you didn't see any of this? You said, no, I saw nothing. You heard yourself say that? Yes. And you also said, I was in bed and I heard my dogs running. That's what you said to the police officer. But you testified to the jury that you were in your home office. But you told the officer you were in bed. 
scare them into telling the truth. You know, confront them, uh, shake your finger in their face when you think they're lying. In every single jury trial, there will be something to go after that is untrue coming from the prosecution. Their witnesses frequently are tainted. You know, they have a history. They have been impeached so many times. So what I tell young lawyers is the most important thing about being a trial lawyer. You got to know everything. You got to read every bit of discovery. If your mind isn't good enough to retain it, then try another profession. So you cannot even tell us right now that your memory of something five minutes after it happened was better than your memory of something two and a half years after it happened. Well, well, there's, 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 I'm just feeling, I don't know, I'm, it's weird. I'm feeling like, my skills were good, but I, there's a lot of things to this case. And I think substantively, I think I'm being, feeling a little defeated um, just because, I mean, you really, you know, we, we pre-trialed our witnesses, you know, and you really never know what they're gonna act like on the stand. And you can tell them a million times, like, this is what you need to do, you know, just yes or no, just answer my questions yes or no on cross, you know, and you never know how they're going to react. I mean, and it was, and you can, now I see the practicality of it, that it's like, it'll blow up your case. You said you do not remember speaking to the police at all. I do not recall. Would seeing yourself on their body camera, speaking to them, help to refresh your memory about what you said that night? Okay. You know, he walks around this place and throughout the day, like all of these little prosecutors were coming into trial and they weren't coming in to see us. They're coming in to see him because they know how good he is. So, I mean, it just, I mean, it, it's so cool. And obviously it would be so much cooler if he wasn't on the other side. Good afternoon. Can you please raise your right hand? Do you swear to tell the whole truth in this matter? Yes. Thank you, Annie. You can have a seat. Uh, the microphone does work. If you could just uh, state your name, please. Okay, Officer Garcia, um, what do you do for a living? I'm a San Antonio Later on in the day, Patrol Officer Garcia is called to the stand. In their questioning, prosecutors Andy and Cassidy are courteous and respectful of law enforcement. Okay, so when you arrived on scene, can you kind of give us like a brief description of what was going on? Yes, so once I arrived on scene, um, basically I saw a small crowd of people over a male on the ground. Um, so obviously, as an officer, I went to tend to they wrap up Officer Garcia's testimony pretty quickly. But then Jason Goss comes back to his objection about the immiscibility of Boris's criminal background and his husband's history of lying to the police. Officer Garcia sips down from the stand. The jury is excused, and Goss and the judge argue case law and legal precedent for an hour. The fact that this witness, that the DA's office believes that this witness did not tell the truth, and then called this person as a witness, 
and did not tell us. They drone on and on and on. And then the day is done. Round one goes to the defense. Um, I walked out of the courtroom and I was like, I feel like, you ever feel like you've been in a boxing match with the person that taught you how to box? It's like not, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. You know, you want to decompress and you're like, okay. But there's still a really long way to go in this trial, which is crazy. Because it's a misdemeanor. I don't know why it's a misdemeanor, but it is. You know, I, I really don't know what I envisioned myself as in being a lawyer because with my last two summers of working, it's just, you're constantly changing on how you approach things. And so I don't really think, I'll know who I am as a lawyer for maybe 10 years into practice. It takes 10 years to be comfortable doing what you're doing. But I would like to be, my goal of what I'd like to be in a lawyer, someone who is um, very patient because it does take a lot of patience and time to work with people in general, I think, no matter what career you go into. And I would like to be someone who has answers. I want to be a lawyer where someone's comfortable saying, we know we can go to Bailey and she's going to solve whatever issue I have. So that's, that's my goal. So what's happening now in DA's offices, especially Brooklyn, is it's not just what happens with a perpetrator in a case. is not solely dependent on... Uh, the charges they're facing, or the victim's preference in what happens. It, we also have to take into account what will help the, the defendant. How can we prevent this from happening again? What will do justice for the defendant, the victim, while keeping public safety in mind? I do work for Prisoners Legal Services as my externship. It'll be going on three semesters now. And my clients have committed very egregious crimes there. So in a sense, you know, I am, I am making the choice to advocate for someone who has committed murder, who has committed rape, and who has made the choice to do something consciously that is quite a terrible offense. But in that case, their constitutional rights have still been violated. And so I do believe that although this person has made a decision that doesn't negate the government's responsibility to grant them their constitutional rights. That was Bailey Moravec, Phoebe Meneker, and Ellie Sands. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
The next day, Officer Garcia has to wait another hour while the defense continues to argue about the old conviction. The judge has had enough and resolves the issue and puts it on the record for any future appeal. Um, okay, may I begin? Yes, sir. Thanks. Uh, Officer Garcia, my name is Jason Dawson. I'm a defense attorney here. I was prosecutor. Finally, Officer Garcia is recalled to the stand for her cross-examination, and she'll sit in that witness chair for the next four hours while her every move and motivation will be picked apart by Jason Goss. I understand. I don't want you to think that you didn't do your best. What I'm really trying to point out is there's a difference between what happened that night in your mind and what actually happened, right? Yes. And um, you have training about how to deal with people who have guns. Yes. And have you been, when you went to the police academy and otherwise, have you been trained on what self-defense is and what it can be used? Would you agree that you're, that, that the investigation almost solely focused on the two guys? Maybe owing to their inexperience or simple exhaustion, the prosecution had very few objections. I think most people would agree with me that you don't back down from a case. If I, if when you're a prosecutor, I would think when I'm a prosecutor that I, and I have a case that I really believe in and that I want to bring to trial. Um, I don't think I'd back down just because I, you know, oh, opposing counsel's like big and scary and so good, right? Which is why, you know, we were like, wow, this is weird. But it's really cool seeing our coach. Like, he really is such an icon for us because his presence, the way he gets things out, I don't know, I'm just really happy to be here and just everything he's been saying, it's like my heart, like... The whole Brady thing, I was like, heart, heart, heart. <laughs> All right, so the jury. Thanks, everyone. Please have a seat. Ladies. Fans. Your ways. Good morning, Mr. Farmer. Will you introduce yourself to the members of the jury? Yes, uh, hi, my name is Jack. Uh, I want the jury to get to know you a little bit. So, where do you live? I live at... How long have you lived there? Um, 50 years, except for a couple years when I went off to college. On day three, Jasmine, who had been sitting quietly taking notes and strategizing with Jason, she gets her chance to do a short direct of a key witness for the defense. Have you ever had a problem with the playing any music? Uh, no. Since you moved in, have you been able to interact with them? Yes. Have you been able to see their interactions with other neighbors? Yes. Have you been able to see them interact with each other? Yes. In these five years, do you have enough experience to be able to form an opinion on me? I believe so. Do you have an opinion on the character for violence? I believe he's prone to violence. Do you have an opinion on character for untruthfulness? I don't believe him to be trustworthy. We pass the case, Your Honor. Yes, sir. And just like that, the case for the prosecution is on the rocks, and Jason Goss is on deck. Yesterday, 
Um, we were having a lot of technical issues. It was really late. And I told coach, coach, I could finish this if you want to go work on your clothes. And he said, no, I don't have to work on anything. <laughs> I was like, I hate myself. Why would I tell him that? <laughs> but you guys here, their burden of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt. And it's not just beyond a reasonable doubt that assaulted or caused or, 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 or hit or pushed or shoved or rolled in the bushes. Because you can believe all of that beyond a reasonable doubt. But they still have to prove to you beyond a reasonable doubt that it's not self-defense. And remember, this is not serious bodily injury. This is bodily injury. They are entitled to do bodily injury. That is force. The, the judge has read you the law. They're entitled to use force to prevent trespass. They're entitled to punch somebody in the face. They're entitled to throw them on the ground. They're entitled to push them. They're entitled to do whatever they it's safe to say that Andy was tapping her feet the whole time, just itching to get in there. And finally, she gets her big chance to do a closing. But I'm here to tell you that the world didn't flip on that day for this one. It just didn't. The world kept turning, just like it always does. Right side up, the way it always has, the way it always will. See, people fight. They knock each other out. I know you know this. Sometimes they have good reason. Sometimes they have reason. Sometimes they have no reason at all. Sometimes people knock each other out, get into fights just because they can, because they're the bigger guy. Because I'm big and you're small. Because I didn't like the way you looked at me. I didn't like the way you spoke to me. I didn't like that you came over here at four in the morning and told me to turn the music down. I can do whatever I want. She even pulls out the old St. Mary's chestnut, the salute to the American flag. It's like when you look behind the judge at that flag that's resting on the flagpole. And you can't see all the stars and you can't see all the stripes. You still know, right? Beyond a reasonable doubt, you know what that is. You know that that's the flag of the United States of America, where the laws that we have are meant to keep people safe, where the laws that we have are meant to keep our community safe, where the laws that we have try, try their best never to condone violence. Always try to say violence is not the answer. You, the jury, have the power to decide on the facts of this case you, the jury, have the power to decide whether you're going to allow violence to be the answer in your community. Whether it's okay if you don't like how someone talks to you, if you don't like how they look at you, that you can knock their teeth out and you can knock them almost unconscious just because you can. Today I ask that you find the defendant guilty. She fought and she fought and she fought. And I knew this day would come where I would see her in trial one day. And I didn't know, fresh off of that last loss, which I know she took a lot really hard because she didn't get to get in the game. And I told her that something big is gonna happen soon. And I don't know if she ever would realize how, how big this is because she's just being Andy. It all came together. It culminated all together. Everything that we've practiced, played, prayed, 
everything for for her. I saw it in that moment and seeing her argue against him and not back down, it makes me feel so proud. I'm not her mother, I'm not her sister, but I just, I feel like she's family. And just like, when, even when I saw Jasmine asking questions, like you just see these babies and they come through and you're just like, you know, I wonder, you know, I, I, I know they're good people and I just, I hope they continue on and, and work on their skills. And she did that. I mean, she, she killed it. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. It was an amazing feeling. And I just couldn't nothing but smile, tear up, cry. Yes, ma'am. You go first. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you, Yes, ma'am. Were you the jury? Find the defendant. Not guilty. All right. Uh, that concludes your jury service. Uh, thank you so much. Wow. Wow. Uh, we heard about the record. <laughs> yeah. Longest trial I've ever done. Hardest trial I've ever done. Uh, the most law I've ever seen. Uh, some of the best work I've ever seen. Um, so uh, I hope you can appreciate uh, what you saw here today. The verdict was not guilty. Um, the jury did come back pretty quick. So I think, I don't know anything. This is my first time, but I was like, that cannot be good <laughs> um, for the state at least. Like Coach said, like justice is whatever an impartial jury of your peers says it is. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it. And I think I just feel really grateful that I've gotten this training that allows you to see both sides of the coin and allows you to see that just like there can be bad people on both sides, there can be really great people on both sides. Um, and there can be people that are, you know, fighting for the community. And hey, like, are we going to say that this is right? Like, are we going to just like go around letting people just punch each other just, you know, because you can or because you're mad or even if you have a reason, all right, you like relax. <laughs> Regardless, I think that that is what justice is. And, you know, I mean, this time it wasn't it. This time they said it was okay. Um, but that's the beauty of it. So, you know, on to the next. I got kind of choked up. Like, I wanted to cry, but I was just so happy. Like, you heard, you know, the client's wife, like, gasp and start crying. And you could, I could see him physically start getting emotional. And, but it was like such a joy because it wasn't injustice to him. And, He's for two years, he's had to be reporting to somebody when he didn't do anything wrong. And it's just now he can just walk out those doors and, you know, he can go to Fiesta. He can do this and he doesn't have to live like that anymore. And so it was, I was so happy. I like prayed after. I was like, thank God that happened. And obviously, coach, that closing was incredible. So it was really awesome. I was really happy. I mean, look, the law is about uh, rules. I believe in rules, but more important than rules, it, it is something that is based on principles and values. And those are values of equal justice and fairness of process. And everything about that is fascinating to me. You know, I, I began a little bit the study of law when I was in middle school and I read Inherit the Wind, which is about the Scopes trial, right? Um, the ability of a teacher to teach about evolution in a school in Tennessee. And I love the idea that it's also about truth, truth finding, and all the mechanisms that you use, not only to, to get justice and fairness for people, but so the ultimate truth comes out. And I've always thought of it as a noble pursuit. I say this to commencement audiences all the time. There's a lot of power in a legal degree. You know, individuals have power. Generally, they have their voice. They can protest. They can run for office. There's lots of things you can do. 
But I think there has been a, an appreciation as our democracy, in my view, has been under attack from a lot of different places over the last number of years. That it's not a bad thing to have a law degree and have the privilege of access to a court to redress grievances and equalize the playing field for people who don't have access to justice. I, I guess it's good for the learning curve part aspect of it, right? Like, you know, we're learning a lot, but it's really hard to balance. Full-time student, this week, full-time lawyer also. And it's really, I think we just, uh, we wear a lot of hats and it's hard. Do you wear a white hat though? I'm the only one that wears a white hat. Um, oh my gosh, oh. we're actually the ones that wear the right white hats. Oh, shut up. I literally, my caption for- Did you hear when you said that? For, yeah, my caption for Barrett, don't think I forgot. My caption for my barrister's picture was, my white hat is bigger than your white hat. Like if it's gonna be someone, yeah, like I want it to be me. Andy and Jasmine graduated law school and have been studying for the bar exam all summer long. Andy is now working for the DA's office, and Jasmine continues to work with Jason Goss. Who knows, they will likely face off again at trial in the future. The St. Mary's team wrapped up its season. It wasn't all disappointing. One of AJ's teams won first place at the National Trial League competition. I'd like to announce that the winning team is the defense team. I don't care where they are today. I want to know where they are two years from now when they leave. And I get so much satisfaction when they graduate. When I'm sitting there at graduation, I'm looking up at the stage and I see them walk across. I remember the person that walked in the first time. How's everybody doing? Uh, Who did not see the video on cross-examination? Right. Raven, you want to come up here and cross-examine Abby? Because if I can make that connection with you today... I can make you a lawyer tomorrow, and then you're going to go out and you're going to do good. From chapter one, case analysis, you've made some connection to how that works with the rest of the case. Next on Class Action, for the first time in its history, the Diller team goes to the national championship. Well, good afternoon, everyone. How special is it to all be together again? Welcome to Nationals. Okay, I'm going to do it again. Welcome to the in-person National Championship. In courtroom A, representing the state, the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech, Team 1001. Hey, y'all, I'm Serby. I'm from Georgia Tech. We're over there. Go Jackets! The Blue Devils of Dillard University, Team 1216. Hello, I'm Renee Simeon. And my name is Amaya Ronzik. I'm the captain of the Dillard University mock trial team in New Orleans. And as we say in New Orleans, les de les bons temps roulés, let the good times roll. Who you, who you rolling with? What's the rest? Period. That's next time on Class Action. Class Action is a production of iHeartRadio and Sound Argument. Created, produced, written, and edited by Kevin Huffman and Lisa Gray. Additional story production by Jennifer Swan, Kristen Cabrera, Jason Foster, and Wendy Nardi. Executive producers are Taylor Shacoin and Katrina Norvell. Sound design, editing, and mixing by Evan Tyre and Taylor Shacoin. This episode had additional field production by Kristen Cabrera. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.